Let's go before the Lord and pray for uh, tonight's message. Father, we do come to you, and we are thankful, Lord, to be in your house tonight, Lord God. And Father, as uh, we settle our hearts tonight, Lord God, and our minds in the house of God, I pray, Father, that uh, we would have ears to hear, Lord God, and Father, that you would uh, speak to our spirit, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would uh, anoint my words tonight, Lord God. Father, that they would not be my words, Lord, but they would be yours. And Father, I pray that you'd make this message clear and to the point, Lord God. Father, that there'd be uh, no confusion, Lord God. Father, we do ask, Lord, that uh, you would touch the lives of those that are here tonight, Lord God. Father, those that uh, could not make it, Lord God, we pray that you be with them, Lord God, that you would be encourager of their hearts, Lord God, that you would fill their spirit this week, Lord God. And Father, that they would come back Sunday renewed and ready to go, Lord God. Father, we do thank you and we praise you, Lord. We just ask for your blessing tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Shared with Pastor a few moments ago at uh, normally I'm just not a a tired individual normally, and uh, I wasn't. I uh, had the message prepared, and was on my way here, and as I was on my way here, I him, it felt like a monkey jumped on my back. I was just like, oh. He said, we know what it is. And he said the word chronic. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I really didn't know what that was all about, although we do know what it's about. Um. The message started stirring in my heart um, during vacation, and actually, normally when, when I do go on a vacation, if I know that I'm going to be preaching the Word, I will be asking God for a message uh, during that ocean time or the view time, um, something, Lord, that um, we could share with the people if I know that I'm going to be preaching. Um, and then we had a great week, great weather. Of course, you see the majesty of God. When you see the ocean, you see the sand. You see all that is in the ocean and all that comes up on the ocean. Um, so you see the, the hand of God. Um, at night, you see the moon reflecting off of the ocean. Um, so you definitely see the handiwork of God. Um, but really what happens is then getting to the vacation, depending on how you're going, some people travel um, vehicle, some people travel uh, it, through the air, which in this case is what we did. We traveled through the air. So we were in busy airports. And of course, so you see a lot of people in the airports. And, and so again, um, thinking about the pastor's message this morning, um, and he was talking about speaking to people that are without. Give them that word. And then how you feel about that after the fact. Um, but then sometimes, like I say, when we're traveling, we see all these people and the busyness and the craziness. And so, um, and knowing that I was going to be preaching the word, kept looking for for something, for a nugget, for a, a guidance from God. 
And then uh, Teresa and I were uh, sitting in the airport, and we had a, somewhat of a, a delay or a layover, and uh, we heard a gentleman talking, and, and of course, in your mind, uh, I heard some things that he was saying, and you start thinking, oh, this, this guy is, this guy is a Christian. And the more we listen to him, the more we realize, hmm, he's not really lining up. Now, he was saying a lot of good things, but the more we listened, yes, we were listening in on his conversation. He was behind us having a phone conversation, but I think he also wanted people to hear because he was pretty boisterous. But I just left there shaking, shaking my head, okay? And so did she, um, so did Teresa. So, again, looking for things. So, um, during vacation, I, I read a lot. Um, I read the Word when I was there on vacation. I read four books, oh, three books, and then started a fourth book. And um, the very first book that I read was a book that I thought, oh, sounds cool, I'm going to read this. And uh, it was called Living with a Seal. And um, this guy hired a SEAL, a Navy SEAL, and he lived with him for 30 days. And the deal was, you're going to train me. You're going to get me in shape. And this Navy SEAL said, okay, I'm going to get you in shape, but you're not, you're going to do everything I tell you to do. Everything. You're never going to give me any, any no's. You're doing everything I want you to do. And, and so that was the first book that I I read, and it was, a, it was a good book. Sometimes I would be reading, and all of a sudden I'd just start laughing because I could visualize something like this taking place. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And I was thinking, this guy is totally whacked. I mean, this Navy SEAL is whacked. Um, and so when I was done with that book, I, I had books that I've read before. So I read a book. It was called QBQ. And QBQ is the question behind the question. And... Then the second book was called Flipping the Switch, which is right after QBQ, written by the same author. And then there was the fourth book that I decided to go ahead and purchase and start, and it's called Outstanding. And, and so in those books, he is a Christian businessman, and he, of course, is an author. And um, finding out in the first book and then also in the third book, realizing that his father was a pastor, so he was brought up correct, and he eventually gave his life to the Lord, being the son of a pastor. Um, he just kind of lived that life, but then he totally sold out to God and, and become a businessman, and then God has blessed his business. And so he's written books, but in this book... Um, the, the outstanding, it started talking about businesses. And so I'm always looking for ways to, to make the business better. But what happened was, he put this out there. He said, our mission should be top of mind. Our mission should be top of mind. And I believe it was last Sunday when I happened to come back from vacation and people were out in the hallway uh, scurrying around, measuring, and I believe they're like redoing some signs. But one of the topics was the 
mission statement that happened to be above the door. So the mission statement uh, is out there, and I'm sure many people come in and out of the door without even reading that mission statement, or maybe some people know it inside and out, and some people were involved in writing that mission statement or putting it into words. But uh, in this book, this gentleman went to the grocery store, and as he was walking through his local grocery store, uh, he went to the cashier, he checked out, and as he was checking out, she, the cashier said to him, stamps or ice today, sir? And in his mind, he was thinking, out of the thousands of products that you have to offer me, why are you asking me stamps or ice today, sir? And being in business, I kind of already knew where this was going because I'm always saying, why can't I get my staff just to say, need any gift cards today? Mother's Day is around the corner. Or do you need any gift cards for Mother's Day? It's, I always relate it relay it to, it's kind of like, would you like a cherry pie? Correct? I mean, they're constantly asking you if you would like to have an apple pie today or a cherry pie. And you would find humor in if anyone saw Chase's Instagram from McDonald's, uh, what he had asked for and what he ended up getting. But what happened was this cashier asked this gentleman that. So he leaned over to her and he asked, may I ask, out of all of these products, why are you offering me stamps and ice? And she leaned over to him and she said, well, if I don't, they'll write me up. And of course, he jokingly said, wow, that's purpose. And the point there is, she didn't know the purpose behind asking, do you need stamps or, stamps or ice today? And so what happens is, as Christians, I think many times we run around this crazy world, and it is a crazy world, not knowing our mission or our purpose in life. We think we know the purpose, or maybe we start out knowing the purpose or knowing the mission, and then what happens is, we get caught up in busyness, we get caught up in family life, we get caught up in life in general, and we lose the focus of the purpose. And then once we don't have the purpose, there's no passion. Because see, what happens is when you have a, pur a purpose, that purpose will power your passion for whatever it is. Your purpose will power the passion. So... When pastor was talking this morning about sharing uh, Christ with someone, just speaking up and, and gently uh, sharing something with someone, a lot of times we don't do that because, again, we have forgot our purpose. We've forgotten our purpose. We're not clear on what our purpose is. So in Matthew 22, uh, verse 36 through 39, says a law, lawyer challenges Jesus, asking him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus answers him, saying, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The first verse Jesus quotes is from Deuteronomy 6.5, but the second verse that he quotes is from Leviticus. And for Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself meant Leviticus 19 through 9 through 18. And we're going to take a look at that. So what Jesus was doing was laying out a purpose here. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So, Jesus is, uh, we're reading the scripture in Leviticus, which is uh, a law. And, and what happens here, we're reading, in, and today I'm reading the word gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyards bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. And, and the whole purpose of that, and the whole reason for that, was for those that were without, was for the poor. It's for those that didn't have. So they could go and glean the field, pick up the, whether it was the wheat, whether it was uh, whatever they were growing, the harvest, they would pick that up and go glean from the fields, whether it was the grapes. And that's how they lived. That was, um, that was the social... Uh, what we have today, you know, giving to, I mean, we work and we work and we work and we work and we see the poor taking and taking and taking and it's, it just goes on and on and on. And today, that's how we take care of the poor. But see, God had his own plan. He had a purpose for us in taking care of the poor. It goes on to say, you should not steal. You should not deal, deal falsely. You should not lie to one another. You should not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You should not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker should not remain with you all night until the morning. You should not curse the deaf or put a stumbling, stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You should not do injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in the righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You should not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. See, for Jesus, to love your neighbor as you love yourself was to practice justice towards your fellow, fellow human beings. So, live generously towards the poor and the alien. That was Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. Do not steal from anyone. Leviticus 19 through 11. Do not be deceptive in dealings with people. 1911. Do not swear in God's name. 1912. Do not oppress, rob, or exploit the poor by paying unfair wages. Leviticus 9 through 13. Excuse me, 1913. 
Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. Leviticus 19.14. Do not be partial to the poor, show favor to the great, but judge honestly. That's verse 15. Do not commit financial fraud. The word slander in Hebrew, and I can't pronounce it, but I think it's rakul, and it may be related to the term rokalith, meaning merchant. Leviticus 19.16. Do not hate your brother. 19.17. Do not seek revenge or hold a grudge, but extend forgiveness. See, Jesus was speaking to the, to the Jews who were shaped by the Torah. And in Jesus' day, that is what loving your neighbor looked like. For us, some of this may come true. Like when I read, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. I kind of read that and I'm thinking, what? Do not commit financial fraud. I, I understand that. And see, when you get down here and reading that word merchant, I'll tell you what. You think about most businesses today, a lot of people don't, they don't want to go buy a car or go to a certain place because they'll say, they'll rob you blind. What does the Bible say about loving your neighbor or loving people at all? Loving people at all living in the 21st century. How does this affect how you love your neighbor? The greatest commandment in Matthew 22, 36 to 39, the Pharisee asked Jesus, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Doesn't sound any different from when I read it earlier. It's the same. It's the very same scripture. The kind of love expressed in both of these laws is the agape love, which we know about. Those of us that have been saved or given our life to the Lord or been around church or been around religion, we understand what the word agape means. Agape love is the unconditional love that denies self. And it denies self for the care and the compassion of others. So it's saying, I'm going to die to myself so that I can care for you and for others. Have compassion on them, care about them, Love them. And you know, realistically, without God, that's not even possible. It's not even possible. Without God giving you that agape love, it's not even possible. But that kind of love expressed in both of those laws is the agape love. In regards to the second commandment, this love seeks for the greatest good for our neighbor. By way of definition, the word neighbor in this passage refers to anyone who is around us. Our actual neighbor or the person at the desk next to us at work. The people we see in the airport. The people we run into at the grocery store. The people that cut us off. 
The people that run the four-way, doesn't matter what it is, those are the people that God is talking about. Can you imagine a world where people loved each other this way? Agape love. Do you think that we truly love people this way? Think about the world in which we live in. Turn TV on. I'm going, oh my, oh my. This morning, the news, the big news was uh, the dead bodies they found in the semi-truck. And then what happens is uh, we, in my profession, we have to, I have to teach at school about um, human trafficking. And then we have to take a test in our profession on human trafficking. And that, those deaths and those that are ill and in the hospital, it's all going back to human trafficking. You turn on the TV. Chicago. How many shootings a day? How many shootings a night? It was um, a conversation I was having at work the other day, and we were discussing business. And we we're talking about wage, wage clothing, and there's the owner, Larry Wade, who used to own a store. And I said, there was just something about Larry. He knew when to get into something, and he knew when to get out. And I know a lot of you know people like that. People are like, everything they touch, it kind of turns to gold. But Larry was like that. He knew when to get into it, and he knew when to get out of it. And he had a place that was called Sportswear Outlet, is what it was called. And some people, when we start, and this person I was talking to owns a big sports place. She's like, really? I can't, I don't remember that. And this person, it's five Bs. And it's like, she goes, I don't, I don't remember that. I said, oh, yeah. I said, starter jackets, hats. Anybody in here remember that place? There's a few people. Yeah. Well, the conversation come up because I said, you don't remember when they were killing people to take the starter jackets. And then I said to her, my son Jason graduated in 2000 and he had it probably when he was in sixth or seventh grade. So that was even before 2000. I said, that was in like 1996 or 95. So the world in which we live is so crazy. And that's what I'm saying is, can you imagine that kind of love? If people truly love like that, what our world would be like. The truth is, earlier I said, purpose powers passion. Even us as Christians today, we don't understand our purpose. We really don't. The truth of the matter is, if we understood our purpose, this place wouldn't look like this tonight. And I don't have a problem with it looking like this tonight. Okay? But even today, even, you said 27 years? Is that what you said today? 27 years. I, I guarantee you, most of us, it's been around since, for that 27 years. We thought we would have pushed that wall out a long time ago. A long time ago. Lack of passion in our, Christians, in our Christian lives is many times because we do not fully understand what our purpose is. We don't understand what our purpose is. Once our purpose is revealed or understood, it's going to power our passion. 
It really is. And pastor used that example. It's like, oh, what was that like once you just give them that little seed, that little nugget of God? It's kind of like, oh, I love that. And what's even greater is when a week later, two weeks later, they're sitting over there, or they're sitting over there, or sitting back there. So I'm going to give you a few things about our purpose. Number one, we need to seek out our neighbor. In Ezekiel 34, 16, God says, I will seek out the lost and I will bring back the strayed. God does this so many times through his flock. He doesn't do it. He does it through his flock. Guys, do you know that we're the flock? We're part of that flock. Jesus did not spend his time around the saved. But he spent his time around the unsaved. And we've heard this over and over. Some of you are young Young adults right now. Some of you in here, you're young adults. Some of you are young adult parents. And some of you have heard this over and over because you're middle age. Some of you because you're not middle age anymore. You've heard this over and over. Because I remember a pastor when I was first saved. In 1989, 1990, hearing him say, well, what we've done is we've built communities that the saved can live in. And we build schools or we put the saved there so that they're not walking amongst the dark. Let's just make our own happy little communities so that we can stay right here. We should model our lives after Christ. Now, in that, that doesn't mean that we all leave here tonight and uh, Thursday night or Friday night and Saturday night. I don't know what the night is now, but we head to the barn or wherever that bar is and hang out and join the crew or the gang. But it's saying that um, if we spend our time within these four walls, we're never going to reach the unsaved. We need to seek out someone that God has placed on our heart or your heart. Who is that? Pastor used the example this morning. Have you ever kind of walked by someone and just kind of thought, ooh, there's something about that person. I think they, I think they love God. Or even you're somewhere and you're working and you, all of a sudden you feel that. It's like, you need to say something to that person. You need to speak to them. Not necessarily about the things of God, but just, good morning, how are you? How's your day going? I still remember, power of God is strong. I still remember, I was not saved, and I was running. I was running hard the opposite direction, away from God. And I can still remember I was booked a flight and I was heading out to do a hair show. It's Columbus Airport and I was walking down. So I was walking down. Something told me there was a, there was a, a lady standing there. When I say a young lady, I was young then too. So, but uh, this lady standing there 
and she had really, really long hair and just something about her. And I knew, oh, I knew that I was sitting beside that lady. I didn't know why, but I knew I was sitting beside her. And what happened was, you know, I thought, okay, I'll just let everybody board. And I thought, fine, it's time for my backpack. I had a black backpack on my shoulder. It went, I'm walking, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, there she was. <clears throat> window. So she was on the aisle. Can't do aisle, or can't do window. Okay, especially back then, definitely. And I said, <clears throat> excuse me, ma'am, any way that uh, we could trade seats here? And she was very kind. She said, yeah. And so as she got up, she got up, it fell out. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. It fell out. And then she plopped it on her lap. And I'm like, Great. And so, you know, we get ready for takeoff. They go through their thing. Buckle up. Off we go. Then we start talking. She had very long hair. That's, my, that's what I do. So I start talking about hair. Start sharing things that she could use to condition her hair. And she starts talking about the B-I-B-L-E. And I said, yeah, I'm Catholic. I'm Catholic. My wife is like you. That's what I said. Okay? God placed me right there the whole flight. And she talked about God the whole time. Okay? That's what I'm saying. God is, he will quicken your spirit to get you to say something to somebody. You'll know you're supposed to speak. You'll also know when you're being disobedient. You'll know that. So when in Ezekiel it says, God says, I will seek out the lost and I will bring back the strayed. Seek them that love, uh, seek them that love them for who they are, not for who you want them to be. Does that make sense? For who they are, not for who you want them to be. Okay. Now, he ate with the tax collectors, he talked with the prostitutes, and he spent time with the sick. He didn't become a prostitute. He spent time with them. There's a difference. And what, what I'm getting ready to say right now is this. Uh, Bruce Morsh is not here tonight. Um, but Bruce, Bruce was really, when I say, I don't even want to say good. He was good at this, but what I mean is bad at this, okay? <laughs> Bruce would always, like, want to pray for me, right? He's like, oh, can I, I'll, let me pray for you. Or he would start talking about the things of God. And what I mean by good at this, but bad at it, is um, I didn't want to hear it, okay? And so in my mind, it's kind of like when you say, seek them and love them for who they are, not for who you want them to be, okay? In my mind, 
Like when I read that and I, I put, and penciled that, I'm thinking, that's what he, that's all he wanted, okay? That's all he wanted out of anybody that he ever talked to is to make, I thought he wanted to make us like him. Does that make sense? So, and guess what? When I got saved, I wanted to make everybody just like me. Saved, okay? Saved. Everybody. I told everybody about it. Because, see, remember, earlier I said, when you understand your purpose, it's going to power passion. Well, that purpose at that point in time in my life when I got saved was life was falling apart. Life was crumbling. And I think I heard a pastor say that this morning. You're never looking for God when everything is up here and you're on the mountaintop. It's when everything's falling in and caving in. You're at your lowest. Now, you think I even heard him say at prayer time or altar time, if you're at the ankles, you're too high. And, and so, in that, we need to be observant. We need to understand that there are neighbors out there, not neighbors as we know them, not next door, people in general that are in our life around us, that we run into, that we see every day, that we communicate with, that we buy from, that we sell to. Those are the individuals that we need to make sure that we're sharing the gospel with. When Jesus ate with the tax collectors and when he talked with the prostitutes and he spent time with the sick, people would even say, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would say, who is this man? Because this is what he does. He spends time with them. Who is this? Because they weren't going to spend time with them because they were here. Going back to, they didn't know about agape love. They couldn't get rid of self by any means. He spent time with them because he, they lo- he loved them unconditionally. Something that unless you have Christ in your life, you're not going to understand. We have to put pride in our reputations down at the cross if we want to truly love other people. It's the bottom line. When we were in the airport numerous times, or the two times, but really more than twice, it's just like you see people. Just like that. I mean, all over the place. And moving. And moving. And that's just one area that we were. Just one area we were in. And this is times the world. This is times the world. But see, we only live in our little world. This is times the world. We need to understand that we need to bless those who persecute you. Uh, My understanding is that possibly Chase preached and maybe he touched briefly on somebody persecuting. But uh, yes, you heard me right. The ones who persecute you, you need to love them even more than those that you just see out on the streets, those that persecute you. In Romans 12, 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 
This is a reflection on Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 44, when he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you or despitefully use you. God has never stopped seeking the hearts of man, even in the self-fulfilling world in which we live in today. He's always knocking. He's always hoping that the unsaved will answer. We should be the same. We need to pray throughout the day for those who persecute us. Now, uh, Teresa and I have, you know, we have been trying to pray daily. And then there'll be days or a day go by and we don't pray. And then either she or I, you know, it's not intentional. It's something that took place or happened that life got too busy or that morning, anyone ever been there? And then before you know it, it's night in your home and a day took place. Um, even in the habit of making the phone call and if we don't do it at home, we pray over the phone. And then one day called and her life at work was crazy and my life at work was crazy. So a little later tried again and it didn't work and just didn't happen. But saying there that somebody who persecutes you and uses you to pray for them daily, over and over, multiple times, throughout the day. We don't even want to look at them. Actually, we want to take them out. Correct? But, no, God's saying, pray for them. Love them. He's always knocking, hoping that the unsaved will answer. And in all circumstances, show them love no matter what. It is the very least we can do considering the grace and mercy that Christ has shown us. Amen? Be real. We have all received gifts or honors because it was the right thing to do. And you know what I'm talking about there. Just make it happen because it's the right thing to do. It's just, it is, it's the right thing to do. You just can't feel love from someone when they are doing something good for you because it is the right thing to do. You can't. People feel love when it is really expressed. I love you is a very common phrase. Many times it just feels like it should be said. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love needs to come from the heart. Sometimes it's better to do something that says, I love you, than saying it. Get this. Sometimes it's better to do something that says, I love you, rather than saying it. Thus, the saying 
actions speak louder than words or love is a verb. Right? Stopping what you are doing when you are busy to look up, look at them, listen, truly hear what someone is saying to you, truly listening from the heart is showing love. When we're looking for that neighbor, we're talking to that neighbor. Some people are just looking for someone that truly, truly wants to listen. That's giving them the ear to hear what they have to say. What's going on in their life. The problem, the situation, the life that they have to live. What's going on in their world. Interaction is really where true love is expressed. When you stop and you're looking at that individual and you're hearing what they're saying, there's an interaction that's taking place. And that's where true love is truly expressed. With interaction comes connection. With connection comes a bond. Now, husbands, if you're out there, you, you know that to be true. You know that there may be times that you're listening. Or it's maybe this. Yeah, yeah. But you're not listening. It's when you stop and look and listen. Or it's when you don't do what you want to do and you do what they want to do. That would be showing love. Sacrifice. With sacrifice comes remembrance. This is why Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. In Luke twenty two nineteen. Jesus says, and he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The wonderful gift and sacrifice of Jesus shed blood on a cross covering our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness is what we remember each time we partake in communion. Sacrificing your time, your energy, your resources, your talents to make a difference in the life of someone and looking for and wanting nothing in return. That'll give you purpose that'll power passion. Totally taking self out. Totally taking self out. I know that I've shared this before. Uh, through the years, but uh, it's a story that will constantly be on the forefront of my mind because this young lady, uh, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, even my, my son Jason always tells me, he said, like, why, why do you have to save everybody? Now, he always is saying, why do you, why do you feel like you have to save everyone? And by that, he means um, 
get them out of the life that they're in or that they've been brought up in. And maybe they know nothing because they're a byproduct of their environment, okay? You know, I was a byproduct of my environment. I could have cop, I could cop out on that and just say, hey, I'm like I am because that's the way I grew up. We all can do that. But there comes a point in time when, you know, it's like when life, when some of my siblings come into my world again and, and whoa, wait a minute, whoa, we don't live like this. We don't live like this. I understand that we did way back when, but our family and my children, they don't have, they don't live like this. So it's a quick reminder, but to know that you take time, energy, money, whatever it is to make a difference in someone's life that you know nothing about, you don't know them. But what happens is a lot of times I meet the students in school and then I just want to see them succeed, want them to move on and still sharing Christ. But I can still remember this one girl and what happened was they, she needed an apartment. And notice I said they. No, it was supposed to be she. It soon became they, okay? And it's like, Um because a lot of times when they, the dude, enters the world, everything changes. And he was a loser and he was a bum. And, and you know, again, you can't just go speaking at because you're supposed to have the love of Christ. Everything that I'm talking about right now. And so then also she needed transportation. And it just so happened that's when Teresa's father uh, was ill and so Teresa ended up not with the car. It was her father's car, and it was her job to get rid of the car and sell it. And, and you know, so what we did is we made an agreement with her, and, um, you know, this is what it's going to cost you, da-da-da-da-da-da, $500. You know, we'll just, each week you're going to pay X amount of dollars. Well, about week three, she hadn't paid anything. And about week four, I'm like, this is, you know, this is not right. I'm, we're just going to take it out of your check, okay? I mean, it's like about the time I was going to take it out of her check is about the day that she didn't show up for work. And I'm worried about her. I'm like calling and calling and calling. And finally, the dude answers and said, don't you get it? She quits. She's not coming back. And of course, you know, I'll be honest with you. That's when I went, you punk. And I wanted to go through the phone at him. And I told him, actually, I kept calling and saying, nine o'clock comes, I'm coming out there. I'm kicking the door in. I'm throwing everything out of the apartment. You're out of there. And I'm going to take that car. And I just went on and on and on. And I really did that, okay? And I was, I was going there and I... Phil's sat in the car when I've done that before, okay, at our apartments. But uh, what happened was I was, on my, I was going out there at 9-something when I got off work. And all of a sudden, Sheriff showed up at the workplace, and he comes walking in. And I'm like, crap. Oh. He went, Lenny. I went out there. He goes, you know why I'm here? I'm like, yeah. He goes, can we go outside and talk? 
and get outside. He goes, Lenny, what are you doing? You can't do this. She recorded everything. And then she said, look, or he said, look, I saw the title of the car. It's in her name. And as far as them not paying rent, you're going to have to evict them the right way. Okay. Oh, I was still young in the Lord. Okay. I mean, it's, I wasn't a babe in Christ, but I was young in the Lord. But we all can get upset. And so what happened was, I wanted something in, re- in return. Oh, I wanted, you know, because see, we paid for that car then. That was our money. We paid for that car. And I just went on and on. I was like, oh, how can I, you know, and then I did. I tracked her down at her other job workplace. I walked in and went, ha, three-day eviction notice. You're out. Because she was there and I handed it to her. And I knew that she didn't realize the law that I, even after that, she could have milked it for 30 or 60 days. And she got out. But when I walked in the place, oh, my gosh, she tore that apartment off. He had punched holes in every single door. I was so upset. And it just kept, oh, over and over. And then those what, daily breads. I picked up one of those daily breads and I think I was just getting ready to cut the grass or do something and I picked up that daily bread and I started reading it. Oh my gosh. Just came right back at me. Well, you, you, you didn't do that out of agape love. If you did, you wouldn't want anything in return. You shouldn't have ever done any of that expecting even what? A thank you. And we're going, I know how we are. We, we like us. We're going, well, I at least deserve a thank you. God's saying no. Not even a thank you. Not even a thank you. How much? What's the catch? Or, no, really, what's this going to cost me? And saying, nothing. It's on me. It's free. Sound familiar? Or salvation. Your sacrifice may make such an impression on them that they will never forget it. The last thing is respecting boundaries. You'll not be seen as a loving as loving if you break into a person's home. You have not respected their boundaries. The same goes for the peripheral boundaries that each person has set for themselves. It is important that we as Christians read these signs. Now, what do I mean by that? You remember earlier I said that God, God's, God's an awesome God. And I'm sure that even though I knew, I don't know what made me know I was sitting by that girl. That girl already knew that she had a divine appointment. The Lord probably already spoke to her and said, I mean, as far as that goes, God's powerful enough to lay it out. Say, this guy is going to come. He's going to look like a clown. He's going to have black and white, black leg on one side and white leg on the other. And the opposite one. And his hair is going to be like all over the place. I mean, that's how direct God is. 
And then she just knew that she needed to speak what God wanted her to speak. Well, in knowing someone's boundaries, it's important that we as Christians are able to read those signs. Now, earlier I said, Bruce was, <laughs> Bruce was good at, but bad at. Remember me saying that? Um, Tim, uh, brother Tim would always say, uh, how you doing, brother? And he would always like, like, and sometimes want to hug me. It's like, Ugh. okay, and I've said that before. Like, because again, that, that was like, that's just weird, okay? Guy going, hugging you. How you doing, brother? And calling your brother. Think about that. You're unsaved. And most guys, it's like, no, okay? Um, now, I'm not necessarily talking about that, but that's, that's an idea right there. I mean, Tim was definitely invading my space, okay, and my personal boundaries, okay? But, but what happens is we so many times, I know what I did. I just poured it on. Anybody and everybody, once I got saved, I just laid it on them. I didn't care what they thought. I wasn't right. I wasn't being led by the Holy Spirit. I was, I was truly led out of passion for what had taken place in my life, but it was reckless at the same time. So again, it's knowing our purpose. And our purpose is understanding the boundaries of those that are lost, that do not have Christ, so that we, you don't want someone out, you don't want to give your teenager a car and say, guess what? You got your license, now go drive recklessly. No. You don't. It's the same way when, when we're looking for that individual, those people that, that need Christ. We want to understand and know their boundaries. And God is the one that will lead you and give you the direction. Actually, the Holy Spirit. Because realistically, uh, I added to that when I was reading and studying, I thought, you know, in Romans, it talks about there's two members within us, Right? Warring against each other. There's the good and there's the bad. There's the, that that wants God and there's that that doesn't want God. It's the flesh. It's the carnal nature. And what happens is that's going on. That's a war that's taking place. And whichever one we feed is the one that grows. And the one that grows is the one that's winning, right? So... In that, if we're growing the spirit man, then we don't have to worry about peripheral boundaries because God's going to go ahead and give you directions. He's the originator of GPS. You'll know exactly where you need to go. He'll give you the words to say. To love like Christ is to be the salt of the earth, Matthew 15, 13. Salt adds flavor and seasoning to food. We are to be like salt. People want flavor. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you know how you ought to answer each person. When we answer our neighbor like we ought to, they will be drawn to us. 
They will notice something different about us if they're not already a believer, and that is what attracts them. While respecting some boundaries, they will be more inclined to, uh, by, excuse me, by respecting someone's boundaries, they will be more inclined to converse, and they will be much more receptive to what we have to say. <clears throat> Shared this with Pastor Joe a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. You know, day in and day out, we do our thing. We go to work. People we work with. Um, as an educator, it doesn't matter what world. I, I don't want to, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can hear people just having ears to hear, looking at them and listening to them. It doesn't matter where you work. Or where you're at. It could be the grocery store. It can be the movie theater. It can be any place that you're at. But now I'm using my workplace as an example. Because being an educator. We see so much gloom and doom from students. Um, And so what happens is. You know I need to teach and do my job. And I also have to. Put everything that we just talked about and that I preached about into perspective. I need to know my purpose every day. What is my purpose? What is my mission? You know, our salon, I say to them, what is our mission statement? You know, I have given them our mission statement a thousand times. I've put it in print. I've given it to them. And, you know, again, those books that I read, those books were all about the question behind the question. It was all about me going, when are they going to get this? Why don't they understand? And because he has a Christian background, that book just takes it and turns it all around on me. And it's like, no, it's not about them. It's about you taking accountability for yourself. What are you going to do? How am I going to help them? What am I going to do to help them understand? So even in our mission statement at the salon, when I say, what is our mission statement? This is what it is. Providing the ultimate and salon and spa services. The ultimate salon and spa services. Providing the ultimate salon and spa services. And the other night, a lady was sitting there, and I noticed that she was sitting there, and I'm thinking, it's 3.30. Okay, I watched, because I pretty much try to know what all is going on. 3.45. It was 5 till. 3.45, I said, <clears throat> what's going on over there? <laughs> and then finally, we found out she had a 3.30 appointment. By the time she got back to the service provider, it was 35 minutes late. So at our staff meeting the other night, I said, do you think that that was the ultimate salon and spa service? I don't think so. I'm sure she didn't. So what happened is when you know the purpose, you know your mission every day, whether you're going to work, whether you're going to play, it's your day off. Remember that you're in front of people And God has somebody for you to touch. This girl probably graduated 
four, maybe five years ago. I'm going to say four. Out of nowhere, she sent this to me on June 8th, 2017. Hey, Mr. Rosser. I don't know when you'll see this or if you will sometime soon, but I had to get a hold of you this way because I lost your number from changing phones. But I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for always talking about God in cosmetology class. I was lost then, and thinking back on it, I'm so glad you did. I've recently been baptized in Jesus' name and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and my life has been changed. I just wanted to share that with you because I'm really excited. She's passionate. She says, I'm really excited about it. And I thought you may like to know. No, I didn't want to know. (laughs) It's like, wow. Then she goes on to say, I've started going to the Truth Tabernacle in Newark, and it's an apostolic Pentecostal church. Um, okay, Okay. I feel like I've finally seen the light at the end of a very dark tunnel. Now that I've become a Christian and have started living for God, everything you said and did makes so much more sense. And I thank you for the things you did because I can now reflect on it all and I truly appreciate it. I may not have understood as well then, but I understand now. Just know that although it may not always seem like it, you are touching the hearts of young people, even if it's just one out of your whole class. I feel like I finally have that passion in my heart and spirit for God that I've always longed for and the spirit I've always found so beautiful and others I've finally found in myself. And all I want to do is serve God and live for him and grow even closer to him. I've never been so happy, but thank you again. And I sent her, I said, actually speechless right now after reading this. I'm taking it all in. I'll be in contact with you when I have the words to pen. Thanks so much for sharing. Because I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, This girl was, uh, in our world today, she would have been overweight. Um, She was a cutter. Beautiful young lady. Talented young lady. So as they play music, I just want to encourage you to let you know that when you have a purpose or a mission for God, that he's going to equip you. But the most important thing, it needs to be at the top of our minds. We live in a world today that, whether it's this or technology, television, work, work-related, it just takes so much of our time. It, it zaps us. And then our mind goes other places. In reality, uh, God has laid out a purpose and a plan for our lives And our mission is to touch those that are lost and share Christ. So as they play music, if this message touched your heart, if you're someone who need a 
clear purpose and plan. Go to the altar and let God talk to your heart.